a couple people some questions just to see what their response will be. Just kind of what the, the first thing that pops in their head response will be. So I didn't tell you this, Derek, but uh, I, I'm going to ask you, if I were to say, go Raiders, what would your response be? Yuck, okay, yeah. And, and, and Lacey, if I was to say, rock chalk, puke, okay, uh, I thought you'd say chicken hawk, but that's close enough. And, and, and if I would, Bobby, if I would say to you, the bears, the packers, okay, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the rally, in fact, Rita's, I ain't downstairs, but uh, I, I was going to say to her, to see what she would respond when I say to her, hey, let's turn the channel to Fox News. Uh, and she says, I'm going upstairs because uh, she hates to watch anything political. So that's what she does. There are some things that we have a natural response to uh, that, that just comes out naturally. We really don't have to think about it. We've been talking over the last several weeks about different kinds of love. And I would point out to you, and we, we've already done this uh, uh, over previous weeks, that, that, that a lot of the, the types of love that we have, the, the response that is produced, comes without even thinking about it. For instance, we talked about eros love. That's a, a physical type of love. That, that response, eros love, has a response that we don't have to think about. Your, your heart quickens. You, maybe you blush a little bit. You, you might perspire. You, you just get excited. That, that comes natural. Phileo love, which is a love of friendship. Same thing when you see a friend. There's a response that happens naturally. M- maybe it produces a smile. It might produce a sense of, of joy or a warm feeling a positive reaction when you see them storge love is the, uh, a love of family hopefully when you see family members uh you you have love and it produces a response hopefully that's a positive response most of the times it is but but we have a, a natural response to those types of love but but i think you probably have noticed if not i'll point it out as we've examined examined first corinthians 13 that the fourth type of love, agape love, the, the love that is the love of Christ, agape love is, is different. The response that we have is not necessarily a natural response. Now, I, I would suggest to you that as believers in Christ, as we clothe ourselves with Him, as we take Him into our life, as we start to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, self-control as we start to have christ in our life that that some of the christ-like responses will 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 become more natural that we will love more naturally uh, hopefully that we naturally will will forgive more and accept people more uh, bear with them more hopefully that comes but but i don't think we can read first corinthians 13 without coming away thinking that some of the ways that we're to uh, demonstrate agape love some of the ways it's supposed to produce itself in our lives don't come, don't come naturally to us. If, if that weren't the case, then 1 Corinthians 13 would be a short chapter. It, it would have started out, now let me show you the more perfect way, and Paul simply would have said love. If, 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 we, if it came totally natural to us when we, we have Christ that, that we love in, in perfect ways, then Paul wouldn't have had to put much in this chapter. Uh, but the truth is, it takes effort, it takes thought, it takes planning on our part. And Paul told us that we would have to do certain things. The very fact that Paul fleshes out what agape love is and isn't 
informs us that if we're to be Christ-like, to love like Jesus, it's not necessarily going to be easy, and it's going to take some work. So, so in verses 5 and 6, we, we looked at the first part of verse 5 last week, and we'll look at the rest of 5 and 6. So in verses 5 and 6, Paul gives us a, a list of things that love doesn't. And, and because of that, we should take note and realize that this list is a list of things that tend to come to us naturally and represent the old man. The things he tells us that love isn't, that, that love shouldn't do, comes to us uh, by, by the old way of thinking and the old man. So let's continue this morning looking at, uh, at this list of what love doesn't. If you have your Bibles, we're actually going to be in two passages today, so I, I encourage you to, uh, to mark those and hold those open. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at Jesus' life to give us some context and some application, but we're also going to be here in 1 Corinthians 13. So let me read 1 Corinthians 13. Let's just look at verses 5 and 6, and notice this list of love doesn't that he has there for us. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices rejoices in the truth. We're going to look this morning at three things that Paul tells us that love doesn't do. Here's the first one. He tells us in, uh, in verse 5 that love doesn't have to finish first. Love doesn't have to finish first. Notice what he says there. Love is not self-seeking. Uh, depending on what version of the Bible you have here this morning, you might, it might have said it a little bit differently. If you have the message uh, Bible, it says, it isn't always me first. If you have the English Standard Version, it says, it does not insist on its own way. Or if you have the NIV and several others, it's going to say, love is not self-seeking. Uh, love, when we have agape love, doesn't have to finish first. Uh, do you guys remember... You remember back in 2014, uh, after the World Series, I think it was about three or four days after the 2014 World Series, that there was a huge parade in downtown Kansas City, and 500,000 to 750,000, maybe even a million people, some people projected, showed up in the streets of downtown Kansas City to cheer the Royals on. Do you guys remember that? Someone caught what I... 2014, there wasn't a parade, was there? You know what? We don't throw parades for second place. Uh, I don't think, I'm, I, I'm, I, in fact, I rejoice in this fact. I don't think the 49ers are going to be uh, invited uh, to the White House. I don't think President Trump invited them to come over and, uh, uh, and, and be there. Uh, second place doesn't have parades. Second place doesn't get invited to things. And and, and there, there actually is nothing wrong with us being competitive. There's nothing wrong with us seeking to be the best at what we do. There, there's nothing wrong in encouraging your kids to seek perfection. There, there really isn't. But, but I'm afraid that the, the, the mentality infects our whole society and sometimes takes us to a different degree. Jesus shows us in his word with his example Paul shows us here in 1 Corinthians 13 that if you have agape love, it's not a me first type of love. And yet in our world, 
Our world says me first. It says, how can I be fulfilled? How can my life be easier? How can I reach my dreams, my potential, my destiny? Uh, if you don't believe that, do this. Go to a bookstore and look for the self-help section. Okay, no one goes to bookstores anymore. So, uh, so, so go on Amazon and, and type in self-help and you will find thousands and thousands of titles telling you how to be the best version of you. Now, I didn't try this, but, but you might try typing in uh, being second place, not being first. I, I don't think you're going to find a whole lot there. See, agape love doesn't have to be first. Let's look at Jesus' examples. Jesus' example. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to, to be looking at three different stories from Mark 10 as we walk through this passage today. Mark chapter 10, one of my favorite chapters in all the gospel. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. We, we've talked about these verses. You know these verses well. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, and he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus Jesus could have sought approval. Jesus could have sought approval on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, Mark chapter 10 is at the end of Jesus' life. He's, He's headed to Jerusalem to go to the cross. He knows that's his destiny. He knows that's what's going to happen. He's on his way to Jerusalem as as he's going there. He's got a crowd of people that's following him. People that have 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 uh, have been the, the twelve, the people that have been following him all along. In, embedded in that crowd was also the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the ones that that a few days later were going to be uh, plotting against him and calling for his crucifixion. They were embedded in that group. Jesus could have sought approval. He could have tried to influence those guys, could have maybe not changed his core teaching, but maybe softened up a couple things that he said instead of saying you're whitewashed sepulchers and you're, you're full of dead men's bones. That's what he said about them one time. Uh, once he said, you know, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Jesus could have softened his rhetoric just a little bit and, and tried to, tried to Try to pull those guys in. Try to get those guys a little bit on his side. Jesus could have sought approval. So, so when some little kids, some moms were bringing their little kids to Jesus, Jesus could say, man, forget that. I, I want to I reach out to these guys. I, I want to make sure these guys are on my side. But instead of seeking approval, instead he chose to offer affection. The one group of people that could do nothing for Jesus. These kids, and, and quite honestly, their mothers, could do nothing for Jesus. When, when, when they were clamoring for Jesus to be crucified, if, if these good kids had stood up and said, no, he's a good guy, they, they would have been shouted down. If their mothers had stood up and said, no, but you don't understand, he's so compassionate, they would have said, women, go to the back, we don't want to listen to you. They, they had nothing to offer Jesus. They could do nothing for him, but he chose to offer affection. So why? Why in this story, on his way to Jerusalem, bothered by these moms and kids coming, why did Jesus stop to embrace the kids? Because they were there. 
because they were there. Let me, uh, let me go to the, the, the application. When, when we don't have to be first, when we don't have to be first, love, agape love is not self-seeking, it's not looking after myself first. When we don't have to be first, then someone else is. Bob Russell uh, is, is known because he preached at South, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, a church that grew to, uh, under his leadership, over 15,000 people on Sunday morning. Uh, but when he first started ministry, he, he had a small church uh, in Kentucky, and, and they were looking to hire youth ministers. So they, they, they brought a guy in for a weekend, and Russell went and picked him up at the airport and brought him to his house. And, and they had just a, a little bit of time before they had to go to the church. And at the church, he was going to meet with the youth leaders, and uh, he was going to meet with the search team, and then after that was going to meet with the, the board of elders, and then finally was going to actually meet some of the kids in the church, but but they dropped by Russell's house first, and, and and took his bags in. Had just a little bit of time, so he told told this young candidate for youth minister said, "Hey, go in, get kind of freshened up. We'll leave in about a half hour." So so he went in. Russell said said he had to go out to the garage to do something, and when he came back in, he, he looked and he saw this youth minister candidate sitting on the floor, the living room floor, with Russell's two small children. the The two little boys had a bunch of cars and had a little Hot Wheels track. And he said that youth minister guy was sitting there and just intently listening to the kids and, and picking up a car and running it down the track. And when they laughed, he would laugh. And Russell said, you know, it hit me. My kids weren't going to be talking to the search committee. My kids weren't going to have a voice to the elders. When it came time to decide, did we hire this guy or not, my, my kids weren't, they weren't going to be involved in that process at all. They had no power in the situation. But Russell said, as I stood there and watched this young youth minister candidate simply love kids, he had my vote from the very beginning. See, love doesn't have, when we love like Christ, we don't have to be first. We don't have to finish first. See, when it's not, when it's not all about ourselves, when it's not about what can I get, we take our eyes off of ourselves, and we begin to see other people. When we can see other people, then we can see their pain, we can see their hurts, we can see their needs. And, and quite honestly, like Jesus did here, we can see their value. When, when our eyes are always on the prize, and, and again, it's not, it's not always bad to, to have a goal, to, to be the best. To be, it's not always bad. But, but when our eyes are only on the prize of getting, getting, getting mine and doing something for me, when, the eye, when our eyes are on the prize, we can't see other people. Why did Jesus embrace the kids? Because they were there. Agape love doesn't have to finish first. Agape love doesn't fracture friendships. If you're still there in, uh, well, let me read, uh, read the verse again here in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. Uh, it says, it is not easily angered, this is agape love, not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. Over in, in Mark chapter 10, I'm not going to read this section, it's a longer section, verses 35 to 45, I'll leave that for you to, to look at later. I'm just going to tell the story, and, and I've preached on these, this set of verses two or three times in the last three years. This is one of my favorite texts in all of, of Scripture, but Jesus gives us a, an example of how not to worry about fracturing friendships, love doesn't do that. 
here's what was going on. As I mentioned earlier, they were on their, literally on their way to Jerusalem for Jesus to die. And, and, and two of his disciples, James and John, his first cousins, they were close to him, came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, it was a trick question. Jesus, wh- whatever we ask you, will, will you give it to us? That, that's like, uh, you know, like you go to your, your mom or your dad and saying, hey, say yes. Say yes to what I'm going to ask you. That's what they were saying. Hey, give us what we're going to ask you. Uh, Jesus, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. And, and, and what they wanted was, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, so, so what they're thinking, when you come and you sit on the throne in Jerusalem, when you kick Rome out and you take control, we want to sit one on our right and one on our left. Now, John was probably thinking, I'm the disciple that you love, Jesus. I'll be on your right because that's, that's a little more honor. Uh, but, uh, but one on the right, one on the left. Uh, they had missed, catch this, they had missed Jesus' prediction. Three times, three times Jesus had predicted that he was going to Jerusalem to die. If you, I, I'm not going to read them, but if you go up in chapter 10, verses 32 to 34, it, it's the third time that Jesus basically said that he was going into Jerusalem to die. He, he, he leaves no, no, no stone unturned there. He's, he's, not, he's not speaking in parables. He says, uh, who will, they will mock me and spit on me and flog me and kill me. It's pretty, pretty direct. Jesus had three times predicted that he would die. They could not have been more out of tune with what Jesus was going through. He literally is on his way to Jerusalem to die, and they were missing it. I've got a dentist appointment in a couple weeks, and and I, I will wake up that morning, and I will be nervous. It's just a checkup. They're going to clean my teeth, but, but you never know what they're going to find. And, and if they find something, it's expensive. And so I'll, I'll be nervous going to the dentist. Rita will probably notice that I'm just a little off that morning when I go to the dentist. I've got a doctor's appointment in three months. They're going to do my blood work, and, 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 and the test is going to be, are, are you staying where you're supposed to be? And I'll get up that morning. They take My blood pressure is always high when I go to the doctor. Even if just a checkup, because I'm scared that my blood pressure is going to be high. So it goes high. So, so I, I will be on edge. That If you see me that morning, I'll be on edge. Just going to the doctor. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. And, and, and they didn't notice anything. They didn't see the tension in his eye. They didn't see the hurt in his eye. They didn't see the heartache that he was going through. They didn't see the stress and the turmoil. They had missed somehow. The point that Jesus three times had said, I'm going to die. But maybe even worse than that, maybe this, this was even a bigger deal. It had to break Jesus' heart that they missed his ministry. Sure, surely they would have caught that he said, I'm going to die. And, and, and at least one of them, James, John, Peter, someone would have come up and put their arm around Jesus and said, Jesus, we got your back. Jesus, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand it. But, you know, if you need to talk, I'm here. And that's kind of, I think that's why, part of why Jesus predicted it. He wanted them, he wanted some help. But they missed that, but they also missed his ministry. For, for three years, he had been emptying himself into people's lives. They were thinking about roles of prominence and importance. And he was serving people. Now catch this. Here's where we see love in action. Jesus could have rebuked 
and punish their ignorance. Jesus could have tied into them. Guys, I can't believe you've blown it. I've been telling you plainly. I've been, I've been living it. I've been showing what it means to be a follower. Uh, Jesus could have rebuked and punished their ignorance, but instead he chose to look past their lack of insight and invite them into his plans. If you're there in, first, uh, or in, in Mark chapter 10, look at, uh, look at verse 41 and 42. When the ten heard about this, they heard what James and John had done. They became indignant with James and John. They got upset. They got upset because they thought James and John thought it before they did. That's really why they're upset. But notice verse 42. Notice what happens. Jesus called them together. Jesus called them together. Instead of yelling at them, chewing them out, letting them know how much they had disappointed him, telling them how disgusted he was with them, let me just pause here and and uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself. But can, can you can you just work with an application there? Can you can you think real life for you uh, and and say maybe there's a time where where you need to be like Jesus instead of yelling, chewing out, let them know how much you're disappointed. Uh, so 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 husbands with wives, uh, parents with children, uh, coworkers with coworkers, bosses with with their subordinates. Instead of doing that, instead of, instead of getting upset, instead of breaking that friendship and fracturing that relationship, he called them together. Instead of saying, I can't stand to look at you two, he said, hey guys, come here. And then notice what he says, uh, notice what he says in verse 43. Not so with you. He invited them into his plan. Love love is not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrongs. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to be over time real quick. I need one volunteer and I promise I will not embarrass you. You just have to, you have, to have good penmanship. Good penmanship? Anyone? Adult-wise? Adult-wise? Good penmanship? Charlotte, I saw, I saw that hand. Come on, Charlotte. It is amazing. Nick, I know what you go through on Sunday mornings in Sunday school. Everyone's like, oh, suddenly they're writing their notes down. And, and uh, you're, I don't care. It's better than mine. So what, what I want you to do is just write over here, write sin. Just write sin. And then if you would list yours. No, no, you don't. Okay. No, but, but this is what I want you, to, want you to do. What I want you to do is think about someone else in the church. Don't think of yourself. Think about someone else in the church. Or, or outside the church, for that matter, and 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 holler out one of their sins, because <laughs> it wouldn't be you, because I'm you're not going to be guilty of any of this stuff. So so just it, it can be generic and be very specific. Just throw out a sin, cursing. Who are you thinking about? No, no, okay. Come on, we got to have more sin than that. Anyone else? Pride, arrogance. See, I can read your writing, Charlotte. Unforgiveness. Okay, let's go. That's the one I definitely want to know who you're thinking about. Murder. Anyone else? Anyone else got one? Self-righteousness. Now, now I want you to catch... If she spells righteousness correct, that's a tough one. You don't have a spell check on the board. Thank you, Charlotte. We're going to stop right there.
Appreciate you did good. Yeah. Oh, there's a lid. I was going to say, you hand it, so I put it back in my pocket with the lid. Now, now the Greek for, for the idea of keeps no record of wrong is this. It literally is, I may not even need this. In fact, I'm not going to use this right now. Keeps no record of wrongs is this. So do you, do you realize that agape love, agape love keeps no record of wrong? My, uh, my friend Randy, I, I mentioned him before, his parents owned a grocery store across the railroad tracks from my house. Uh, and when, at least when we were younger, they sold it when they, they, when he was in junior high, but, but I'd go over and he would be there and we'd play together. And, and one of the coolest things is, is Randy, uh, it didn't work out overly well for me very often, but Randy could go behind the counter whenever he wanted and pick up a Tootsie Roll and unwrap it, pop it in his mouth. No one kept a record. I did that, I had, to, I had to pay for that. The Greek has the idea of a ledger. So literally, love doesn't keep a ledger of the things that we've done wrong. Now, now let's look at that application. First of all, we, we have a God that doesn't keep track. Now, now but before some of you freak out, this is not a... Uh, Either get upset with me or get excited. This is not a license to sin. That doesn't mean that God says, hey, do what you want. Just make sure you show up on Sunday and everything's good. Uh, Romans 6.1 says, what shall I say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We're not to sin. We're, we're, to, we're to flee unrighteousness and we're to seek holiness. So, so it, it's not about that. What he's talking about is sin that we repented of and turn from but but love love first of all the application is for us to understand that god doesn't keep a ledger when we've repented of that sin as we watched Holden this morning asked jesus into his heart everything that he had done in the past that ledger was completely wiped out and god has no recollection whatsoever of what that sin is so so that's what happens when 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 we have that kind of love. And the second thing, and here's the application. I'll let you just take off and go with this where you want. We, we have been commanded to have a short memory ourselves. So in our relationships with people, whether that's in the home or, or with friendships or in the community or at work or wherever it might be, we are called to have a short memory as, as well. Love is not easily provoked and not easily pushed. And it doesn't keep a record of a long. It doesn't keep dragging up stuff from the past. See, that's what Satan tries to do with us. He tries to remind us of our sin. And God says, when we bring up that old past sin, God says, I have no idea what you're talking about because I didn't keep that record. And finally, let's finish with this. Uh, love, doesn't find, love doesn't find fault. Uh, it, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Um, the next section in Mark, I'm going to take time to read it, but the last section in Mark is the story of, of Jesus, again, on his way, not, not, not a, a day's walk from Jerusalem, as he's walking through the city, a, a blind man, 
hollers out to Jesus, and everyone rebukes the guy and tells him to be quiet, but Jesus sees him. See, Jesus, Jesus could have said, I don't have time. I don't have time. I, I, I'm on my way to Jerusalem to do my father's business. I'm on my way to die. Jesus could have said, I don't have time to hear one lonely blind man want me to do something for him. Jesus could have said, I don't have time, but instead he chose to see the unseen. Agape love looks for the opportunity, not the hassle. Looks for the joy, not the disappointment. Looks for the potential, not the past. Jesus could have passed this guy by saying, I don't have time. I've got more important things to do, but he saw him. And here's our simple application. Are we going to take the time? Are we going to take the time to see the one that no one else sees? When when we do, it comes with risk. When we do, it comes with risk. But we don't rejoice in, in things that are wrong. We don't rejoice in evil, but we rejoice in the truth that God can use us. In 1979, Reed and I got married. Uh, about two months after we got married, we were getting ready to drive back. To, uh, worship team, you can come on up. We were getting ready to drive back to uh, to Illinois or from Illinois back to uh, to Joplin to to continue in school. And and I decided uh, the the first of many uh, poor financial decisions in my life. But I decided we needed a different car and. And so, so I went to a local Chevy dealer, and I found a sweet deal. I found a 1979 Chevy Chevette. Man, one of the greatest cars ever made. Not. Uh, but, but this Chevy Chevette was brand new. It had like 30 miles on it. The price tag, only $4,200. I'm old. Yeah, if I bought a brand new car for $4,000, I'm old. Uh, w- w- I didn't even have a job. I was going back to college, and I didn't even have a job, and I wanted to buy a new car. Like I said, a lot of bad decisions. But, but I knew I needed to put some money down so, so, so I could get a loan for a little over 3000 but I needed another $1,000. And so I went to my grandparents. I, I went to Grandma and Grandpa Hartman. I said, uh, and boy, I, I hated doing this, but I said, can you loan us some money? Can you loan us $1,000? They didn't hesitate. They didn't hesitate. They said, sure. And they wrote out a check for $1,000. And, and we told them, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you back as soon as we can. We're going to pay you every month. And, and, and I think I even said, $100 every month, and we'll have you pay back in a year. God bless us. I got back to Joplin. I, said, I was a stupid kid. I mean, I would, Joplin with a car. I, I moved it back to school. We didn't even have a house to live in. And, uh, but God blessed Rita with a job and blessed me with actually a couple jobs and then a weekend ministry. And God just blessed us financially. And, and every month I wrote a check for $100 and, and addressed it to Mary Hartman and sent it back to Illinois. And, and after the 11th payment that I sent back to Illinois, I got a phone call from Grandma. And, and, and Grandma said this, hey, thank you. Thank you for paying your bill. Thank you for being on time every month. Thank you for, for doing it. And and because of that, you don't have to pay your last payment. Now, I, somewhere in our conversations, I don't know if it was that conversation or when we borrowed the money or if it was somewhere in between, I'd, I'd got the impression that someone else had borrowed money from them and hadn't done it, hadn't paid it back. I don't know if it was a sibling or maybe it was a nephew or a niece or 
I don't know who it might have been, but someone else had, had, had not paid the money back. My grandparents were thrilled that we had. They were rejoicing. It, it was quite a bit later when it finally hit me that they had taken a chance. Because someone had done them wrong. Someone had not paid them back. And, and so when I asked for money, they easily could have thought, here's another grandkid wanting money. Here's another family member thinking we have deep pockets. But they willingly said, okay, we'll give you the money. And they rejoiced with me. Love that, that comes from Christ doesn't have to finish first. Kind of goes against culture, but it doesn't have to finish first. It doesn't fracture friendships. He, even though wrongs show up and we think, what? I, we can look past those and, and we don't find the negative. Instead, we rejoice in the truth. If you're here this morning and you don't know that kind of love, if you've never accepted that love in your life, if you've never been able to give God the sin in your life and know that He's going to take it and cast it as far as the east is from the west, we'd invite you to come. If you're here this morning and you just need reassurance, like Jesus when He predicted His death was wanting someone to just walk alongside Him and say, hey, can you give me some strength? If you're here and you need someone just to walk beside you for a while and, 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 and give you encouragement and strength, come, come here. We'll gladly pray for you. Gladly lift you up and say, we're, we're your sisters. We're your brothers. We're beside you. If you need to come this morning as we stand and sing, would you come?